come back to work. Okay. But not back out in the comedy world. And I'm like, I should have done the opposite. Right. You know, like. <laughs> well, dude, I don't know. Like comedy world there is to even be out in right now like it's it's weird i've been trying to like go out and do shit and there's like it's very minimal what exists yet yeah and it's definitely like that was the thing is like i went to a mic uh just two days ago and right. i walked in with a mask you know if you need the visualization oh. you know aaron has mask oh that's what and, they look like all right yeah i don't think you've seen one you're in long beach and <laughs> and like nobody had one in the whole building it was like I was the only one that was living in 2021. Everyone else was still in 2019. Yeah, and I was like, no. Well, yeah, it's weird. There's been no middle ground where it's like, all right, well, we're open, but everybody be cool. Like every mic mm-hmm. or show I've been to, everyone's been like, ah, fuck it. You know what I mean? Which like I'm vaccinated, so it doesn't like worry me that much. But I'm like, I know for sure everyone there isn't. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you can read the, that's exactly what they're telling everybody every day online. I'm not right. vaccinated. You guys are pussies. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I, like- I, I also just know comics. And what I know is that like 80 percent are just going to lie and say they got vaccinated. Exactly that. And then there's also like the whole like, oh, we need to just just wash your hands. And I'm like, these people have never learned how to wash their hands. No, I've never seen anybody in an open <laughs> mic and been like that motherfucker looks clean. <laughs> yeah, I've never definitely never seen anybody like touch the microphone, put it down and be like, that was sticky. Does anybody know where the washroom is? Has never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but I sleep in a car and I just masturbated before I walked in the door. Has definitely been said in many open mics. Oh, a hundred percent. And the, and you want to believe it's a joke, but it's not because they don't they don't display that they can actually write a joke. So you know this is merely a slice of their own life. Exactly. You're like, no, that's definitely the most honest thing. We all believed it as soon as we walked in. We said, oh, there's right. masturbating Tim. Still sweating. Yeah. I feel like you if you weren't jerking off in your own car, you'd be jerking off in someone's car. <laughs> you like broke into someone else's car to jerk off. In. <laughs> just car, literally a carjacking. Oh, that's hilarious. You know how <laughs> mad I would be if I got to my car and the door was open? Like, have you had your car broken into ever? Uh, I've never had a car. Okay, so w- that takes care of the rest. <laughs> <laughs> But like I will, the one time that happened to me, I was walking to my car and both the doors were just splayed open. And I was like, right. from a distance, like, fuck, you know, like I know what's happening next. Um, and of course they broke into it and they stole shit and they just petty shit. They didn't even steal anything that I thought was good. But if the, I walked up to that same thing and somebody was masturbating in the back, that would right. be even more upsetting. Well, yeah, cause then you have to burn the car. It's just like, it's <laughs> over. It's, there's no... I remember yeah, exactly. the word, you just close the I, uh, door. And you're like, I'm sorry. You need a moment. <laughs> yeah, like, there's I'll wipes let you in the yeah in the glove compartment. If you can finish on the outside of the windshield, so I can just weep, weep, wipe that shit off, <laughs> like that'd be really uh, convenient. Oh, that'd you know, be the fucking, worst. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, Nicole Buchanan once, and uh, we like parked her car in front of the place we were going, and she had a shitload of her merch in the back. And we mm-hmm. got back, and her car had gotten broken into, and all they stole was my laptop and all her merch. <laughs> Which is so funny that somebody somebody just has like is homeless and has like fifty Nicole Buchanan t shirts trying to hustle them between the shirts so with like you know R.I.P. Kobe and shit that you sell at the swap meet. Yeah, exactly. And they had to Google her name to figure out who they just broke into. Right. <laughs> Watch like five minutes and be like, I think these shirts would be valued at eight dollars. You know, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to tap into the sad white market. 
<laughs> my friend was in a band and he walked past a homeless guy wearing his band's t-shirt uh, <laughs> and he was like i'm in that band and the homeless guy was just like fuck you leave me alone you know like, yeah yeah homeless guy was just like i found this in the trash exactly the shirt's mine you're like yes yeah. the shirt's still yours nobody wants the shirt back <laughs> That's, that's that's such a perfect portrait of how arrogant like art brain works is that you see a homeless mm-hmm. guy wearing rags that have your name on it and you're like he must love me <laughs> yeah, exactly but also that was like the first sign of making it before i ever had a friend on a billboard i had a friend with a homeless guy wearing the t-shirt right no that's that's viral marketing dude dude for sure like if i saw somebody with a keith carey shirt i would for sure take a picture yeah post no, it tag it all of the things <laughs> The difference is, like, I feel like my fans also would be homeless. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. Or, like, like, I have a him. home but are sleeping in a gutter, like, as a lifestyle choice. Yeah, or they're just like, oh, you know what? I've been trying to get up for three days. And you're right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Everything checks out. So, wait, I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. Offhand. Um, number one, I feel like we started stand-up three weeks apart. Did we? It was really close, I think. Okay. Um, I, I may be wrong. I, maybe I was wrong by two or three years. But like when I first saw you go up, it was in a coffee shop in Orange. I'm trying to remember. Max Blooms. Yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah. And um, I was only like three weeks in the stand-up, and you were crushing when I walked in. <laughs> you were shitting on Disneyland. You were complaining about Disneyland. Right. Which I don't is, know if you remember you know, any of this. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty easy swing to take because we were like five minutes from Disneyland. Well, yeah, and you worked there. I believe right, the yeah. bit was, yeah. No, yeah, that was uh, like the early days of comedy. I was driving myself insane because I was living in Long Beach. So I'd wake up at like five in the morning, go work at Disneyland, go stay out till like two in the morning doing open mic, sleep for like two hours, just drink Red Bull and smoke cigarettes and do nothing else. It was uh, it was the worst I've ever treated my body was like that first like year of stand-up. Okay, well, then let me ask you this. What's the difference between how you treat your body now and what you just said? It's it, it mildly better. Mildly better, dude. I uh, I go on walks now. I Here's the thing, man. I, I like, how old are you? 39. Okay, so I'm, thir- I'm 32, but, like, uh-huh. I really hit the 30s and then immediately felt everything start to fall apart. And I'm like, I have to give, like, 20% <laughs> of a shit now. You know, like, I eat at least, like, a salad a week. Like, I... Uh, Basically, I don't I, I don't feel bad enough to actually commit to treating myself well, but I do feel bad enough to feel bad about it while it's happening. So I'm hoping at some point that'll give me good dude, results. I went to a dentist for the first time in 20 years, like a month ago. Fuck, and dude. I know. And I was like, hey, I haven't been to a dentist in 20 years. And the dentist was like, I know. And I was like, fuck, that's not what you want to hear him say. And then I was like sorry is it bad and he's like yes and i was like oh (laughs) i like that you apologize for being bad where that guy's like i'm gonna make so much money because of how bad it is oh exactly like like if there was like a storage wars for dentists and i open my mouth (laughs) just a bunch of dudes in cargo shorts bidding on your mouth yeah and they cut to like a scene like cut like just flat against the thing and the guy's like I saw a cavity back there. I'm going to go all the way up to 8,000 <laughs> <Yep>. for this. <laughs> no, dude, I've, I've been avoiding the de- last time I went to the dentist, they pulled one of my teeth out uh, and fucking uh, I've been avoiding going back. Cause I have like my front tooth has just a hole in the top of it. You can't really see it in the, <sighs> the zone, but it has that like, full on, like you, you can see the inside of the tooth. It's fucking uh, it's brutal. And, That's why uh, I went is cause there's one on my back that I could feel the inside of. 
Right. And I was like, I'm not supposed to feel that, you know? Right. So I went and it didn't even hurt, but I was just like, so before it hurts, but definitely after it's a problem. Right. Let's take a look at that. And my doctor was like, Hey, uh, that's not even the first thing I'm worried about in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, that's the fucking shittiest is when like, I, I have a bit about this, but it really happened. Like at one point I was brushing my teeth and half my tooth broke off. Like while I was yes. brushing it. And like the fact that it didn't hurt was so much scarier to me than if it did hurt. <laughs> that, that exactly. was like, Am I so fundamentally fucking broken that just the nerves died? Like what is happening? Yeah. Did you continue to brush it after it was falling out of your mouth? Oh, fuck no. No, I just, <laughs> I, well, I did. I had to go do a show like 20 minutes after that. And I was just, I went to, I was with Connor and Tom and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, uh, we don't know. So fuck it. I just uh, lived like that for two weeks. Oh my God. I mean, at least you chose two weeks instead of like three years. Some people just don't do anything. Yeah. Cause it doesn't hurt. You know, like you said, you're like, Oh no, no. I know that a piece of me just fell out, but if the car yeah. keeps driving, I'm going to keep going. Well, I just had this constant, like I knew it was going to hurt at some point. So every mm -hmm. minute I was awake was this anxiety of waiting for like the pain to start. <laughs> Did it get there? What, uh, I got it. I got it pulled out before it, uh, before mm. it got there. Yeah, because with my dentist, you know, he has the thing that he pokes you with, the, just that does this hurt poker. Yeah. Well, that's all it does. Well, the answer is hey, yes, 100% of the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he, like, you could hear it. It was like audible. And he's oh. like, did that hurt? And I was like, no. And he's like, supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I fucking, I remember I got my tooth pulled and I, I found this out after the fact. I guess they like gassed me or whatever. So I was like, conscious but like not conscious like i was awake mm -hmm. though and like communicating and i found out later that while they were pulling my tooth out i was like in a like drug coma hitting on the like the nurse assistant checks out yeah apparently i was being like super flirty and the dentist was like yeah do you remember any of that and i'm like i sure don't and he's like no nah, it was pretty funny we still talk about it <laughs> <laughs> first off not only is that funny but also i've never been to a dentist that doesn't have a hot dental assistant right next to him so that's yeah. on them you know why you hired that girl. Yeah, exactly. They're to distract me while you pull my fucking skull apart. Yeah, like the one that I go to literally has like these like tiny Asian chicks that like pat my sh my shoulder and like chest right. while they like numb me up. Yeah. And they're like, does it, you feel it yet? I'm like, no, you better keep patting for a while. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that you're somehow going to some sort of weird dentist slash back alley massage parlor. Yeah, exactly. It's a tie dentist. Yeah, it's, a, That's the, it's a fucking drill and tug. <laughs> that sounds awful yeah they're tugging on my teeth um no no and, but then okay so i was talking about how we started together but there's a moment that you had i don't think it was the moment in your mind to, to me but it was i think about it all the time where okay. you told me your game plan for how you were going to get into comedy and you did exactly everything you said all, and it so i'm so curious well, yeah, no, because you asked me to do like a roast battle and I said no. And then you did one and like crushed. And then I was like, now I want to. And you're like, I'm past that. I'm, I actually have a plan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. It was I feel so like early. a dick. I don't remember any of this, but I absolutely believe it. Oh, yeah. No, you were like, no, dude, um, if I lose the next one, sure. But if I win, I'm going to just keep going up this ladder. And you right. like told me like. I'm planning on asking this guy and that guy and that guy and that guy because it's the road to Alex or whoever was the champion at the time. Right. And um, and I was like, oh, that's fair. And so, like, I watched you at your next Rose battle and, like, you crushed again. And I was like, fuck, you know, like, I'm not going to 
And then you just continued to crush to the point that I was like, that's really good that that didn't work out for me. Like, uh, <laughs> if I would have gotten that opportunity, I would have just sat there and been just demolished. But I also but, probably would have paid you a hundred bucks for every joke you wrote about me. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I fucking like, it, it's so funny. Cause I just, I went to roast battle last night. They did the first one back at the comedy store. Yeah. And it, it, it was so weird going back now and like how like sort of low stakes and fun and just kind of silly it is versus how fucking seriously we all took it in those early days of it. I never did. Other people did. And I, like, oh, I took it way too it. fucking seriously. Like I yes, immediately was like, I am going to be the Tom Brady of calling people gay. Like it was really <laughs> my fucking, <laughs> I had a whole battle plans. I'm like, all right, if he calls me retarded here, then I'm gonna call him a faggot over here. Like it was like planning out fucking assaults and everything. It was really dumb. Yeah. But you know what you say it was dumb, but it was so smart because it was your rocket ship up, dude. Like you, we're so much more prepared than all these other people. And it showed, which is why you kept winning. And if you weren't winning, it was still like the thing that happened that month that we talk about later. Right. You like, know, I like, lost, I lost way more than I ever won. I have like a sub 500 record. Yeah. I would say the same about uh, Robin Tran. I think, cause that's true with her as well. Right. But fuck me. If not every single one that you and Robin are in, aren't like the best ones anyways. Well, thanks. You guys man. are like Ric Flair, where it's like we all know the moves you're going to make to lose, but it's so right. fun to watch it all. Right. But I was amazed that you were like, no, no, no. I have this full plan because if I really do this, then I can start to really get some of these writing jobs, and which right. is exactly what you did and happened. Yeah, it did. It did all kind of shake out pretty well. It was uh, Rose Battle was weird in that, like, it was uh, I. I, I can be like super weirdly competitive and like go into like lizard brain competition mode mm-hmm. and like, you know, doing stand up is such an isolated, you can't really win or lose at stand up. It's just uh, I've lost at stand up. Let's not well, <laughs> let me rephrase it. You can lose. I lose most of the time, but like mm-hmm. it, it, it was weird having comedy turned into an actual sport where I could like lean into that weird, like, thing where it's like, all right, I have a plan and I have like uh, people to defeat on. I turned it into street fighter. You know what I yeah, mean? for was, sure. Uh, but it was awesome. I mean, like, when it comes down to roast battle, I mostly shit on it when people talk to me in private about it. Um, fair. Me too. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just not going to lie about it. But at the same time, yeah. there was also a couple people. I was like, but then there's these couple people that we really needed to have them shine and do the thing. You know, like, right. and it's like you and Alex and all these other ones where I was just like, no, 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 no. This they needed this so the clubs would start booking them for headlining and they were ready to headline. Right. No, I, I, it, one day maybe the club will start booking me to headline. But Yeah. Hey, you're getting co-headlining right now. So that's what you're so close. Yeah. No, I'll take it, man. It's going, uh, it's going all right. Yeah. No, it's funny. I feel like uh, there was, there was very much a split of people who were like, fuck roast battle and people who were way too excited about roast battle. And I kind of get both sides of it. Like, it was a very weird, silly thing, but it was also fun mm-hmm. to be part of. Oh, for sure. I get both sides of it, too. Don't get me wrong. I did do a couple of roast battles to be like, does this group accept me? You know, right. like. Right. And then I was well, like, a, a lot of the thing I ran into, too, and I'm not saying that this is not you, but a lot of comics I saw very publicly would be like, oh, fucking roast battle is like, you know, so easy and lame. And I'm like, ah, th- then you fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like. People yeah. who would have never, like, you did it. Like, a lot of people would have never had the fucking nuts to actually try it and were very comfortable talking a lot of shit about it. 
I, as much as I also said I was talking shit, I never called it lame because I understood what was going on. What I thought right. was lame is that some people saw it as some kind of backdoor into the comedy business. And you're right. like, so what I didn't like was everybody that was like, stand-up's too hard. I'm going to go to Rose Battle. And I was like, have fun. But like the people that also were succeeding at Rose Battle weren't people with no minutes at stand-up, you know? like right. Well, that was the thing is it was like, you know, there was kind of a, especially once it hit TV, it was like, there was a vibe around it where it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, if I have like two good battles, then I'm going to fucking take off. And it's like, well, if you don't have anything to back that up with, then like you're, you will be exposed as a fraud. You know what I mean? Like there's no. That was the part that I didn't understand was it was just, yeah, like, like, I don't know like, why people would battle who weren't ready to have the right things happen. Yeah, doing roast battle is not really a marketable skill in and of itself. It was a good platform to be able to do uh -huh. other shit, but you still had to have the skill to do those beyond writing like, you know, three to five fat jokes. Like it, yeah. it required a little more than that. The people who capitalized were people who were ready before they got there. Yeah, no, exactly. And I saw people see those people take off and they were like, you know what? Screw these open mics. I'm fully just walking into the roast battle. And you're like, uh Right. It was one after the next. And then people felt like they had to. That was the other thing. Some people were like, they don't like it, but they kept going back. Until it like, became you know, like potluck where it was this weird obligation almost. And you're like, oh, yeah. this, I don't even like doing this, but I have to do it. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, no, you don't. You can yeah. just continue to do stand up. Yeah, there's 900 other places for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, although it was fun to watch when, especially when it was, you know, like I can't forget you and Pat Barker. Like that was like that's my favorite one I ever did. It's one of my favorite nights of comedy. I didn't even get up that night. I just watched you and Pat Barker go at it, and it was an incredible battle. I hope it's out there somewhere so people can listen to, to this and it's, then go to that. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's uh, Rose Battle like put it up, and it's uh, Pat. Pat, I I genuinely believe is the best that ever did it. Like Pat is uh, Pat is the gnarliest Rose Battle writer. Like he uh, he really truly is fucking like a, a head above like everybody else. Yeah, and he, I mean, talk about prepared. He was like nine years into stand-up and, you know, like with no traction. And he was like, well, if I just have to call everyone out for their bullshit, here I am. Right, right. Ready and prepared. And it was just like, perfect. Right, no, and Pat's a dude where you're like, it's been really cool seeing like sort of like the way he's been able to leverage Roast Battle into a lot of other work and a lot of other shit because he's so good and that like gave him such a good like, jumping off point to get in front of people like that's the kind of guy you wanted to see like succeed off the back of battle oh for sure i would say the only person i wanted to succeed off of roast battle that i didn't see succeed off of it was uh -huh. um i'm gonna try to remember jason's last name now jason van damn van glass van glass and the only reason he didn't succeed at it is because he didn't stick with it he did like two battles in the beginning. Both brilliant. I, I, I like I like Jason a lot, and I remember seeing him battle. Yeah. Uh, I think he battled Hooper. Hooper, yeah. And I remember that being really funny, and then just not seeing him uh, do it anymore. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh well, I guess I lost because it was him and Hooper's they, their first battle ever for the both right." Uh -huh. And he was like, "Oh, I lost to that guy," and then like he went home, and then Hooper went on to go become like this glorious best roast battler, like. Mount Rushmore of Rose Battle. And right. you're like, Jason, you may have been number two. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what, though? It's, it's also, I think, like, uh, look, I'll say this. I stuck with it really hard. And, like, yeah. there was a point where it's, like, I think if you if you stuck with it hard enough, it really did fuck with your brain. 
for a while because mm. it really did feel it, like it sounds dumb, but it felt like so serious and it did sort of like remove your ability to engage with stand-up in the same way. So, I, you know, in a way, it's like it might, he might have uh, not made the worst idea of, like, getting out if he wasn't That's also true. It. As somebody who didn't terribly get sucked in, it felt like right. when someone did get sucked in, you just didn't see them for months. Or if you did, it was only roast battle related. Right. Which is also part of me getting mad at it. Because you're just like, no, friends. We can still right. go do regular things outside of this right. other thing. Well, and it was also like this sort of like weird like loop that it would get in where it's like, okay, I did a bunch of roast battles, but I also was doing stand up, but mm-hmm. nobody wanted to really book me to do stand up. They wanted to book me to like write for roast or like do the roast of fucking Batman or whatever. And it's like mm-hmm. at a certain point that became your whole identity. And it's like, no, I just wanted to do this as well as other shit. And it was hard to uh, kind of shake that off for a long time. Yeah. But you did eventually get to the point that you were writing for the Comedy Central roast. I did, yeah. I got to do that, which was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Before, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, not sh- I'm not shitting on anything I've gotten to do off of it. I'm just saying, like within like yeah. the the L.A. comedy world, it felt like there was this weird wall that got built between me and a lot of like stuff I wanted to do and people I liked. And then I'm so, sure I was also partially responsible for it. It was just a very weird time. Yeah, but once you climbed that roast battle mountain, you know, <laughs> and now you're like, okay. I'm on top of the Rose Mountain. I'm writing for Comedy Central for their big roast that I watched as a teenager. Right. Isn't there a moment when it's all done where you go, well, what's next? So I just wait for the next one or what do I do with this? Yeah. I mean, that's it's funny because that's kind of where I was like pre-COVID where mm-hmm. I was sort of like, all right, I feel like I've kind of gotten to the end of the not the end, but like I've sort of like I've gotten where you can get down this road. And I'm like, well, what do I want to do that's not this? Like, I see where this one goes. Like, what mm-hmm. other shit am I capable of? And then uh, and then, yeah, COVID kind of, I think, was uh, like, obviously, it sort of threw everything up in the air. But it's been sort of a blessing in that, like, I'm coming in so like fresh now, like back to mm-hmm. comedy where I'm really kind of looking at shit of like, what is the next what is the next roast battle or like cool thing that I can like get involved with and be part of like before it's like a huge fucking thing. Like what is the next, uh, yeah, I don't know the next sort of interesting angle or Avenue to walk down. Oh, the thing I've said the entire time of roast battle is it's really great. You guys all got on Brian Moses's train, but I would love to be Brian Moses and make my own train. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a very, uh, very good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, that's, that I think is the next thing is like Keith's got to figure out his train right. and what people can jump on. And then it's like, you're the Brian Moses of that world, which is what I've been thinking about for like the last two or three years is like, how can I become the Brian Moses of my own world? So, what would that show be and look like? Right. Yeah. And it's, and the truth is I have no idea, but the idea of doing that is very interesting to me. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, also to throw Brian's name out there a million times, he didn't know where, how it was going to happen either. It just organically happened around him. Right. I mean, that's the thing that like, you know, like what's funny with people like sort of going to it is like, well, this is the instant gateway to fame is like nobody ever thought Rose Battle was going to matter. You know what I mean? Like it was it it started off as like weird lunatics yelling at each other and just sort of escalated. (laughs) Like, I think I think that is the same way UFC started. So, yeah. Well, I think that mindset is so uh, this is a weird thing I think about comedians like sort of our generation is we are so tuned into like podcasts and like people constantly talking about comedy and the idea of like how to be successful in the business of it mm-hmm. that we lose sight of the fact that just about everything that's been really cool and successful business wise 
started because somebody thought a thing would be fun to do, you know? And I feel yeah. like uh, it, it's easy to get so focused on trying to be like successful that you forget to do a thing you like. And it's, For sure. uh, it seems so obvious, but I think when you're in the middle of it, it's very easy to sort of lose focus of that. I don't think it does. It doesn't feel obvious because we all look at the success thing and go, well, what can I do that's, that's close to this? You right. know, like we don't think of like, Maybe making fun of water balloons is the next thing or whatever the fuck it happens to be. <laughs> hey, man, don't step on my big fucking water balloon suck closer. All right. But I have a whole thing about how water balloons are the patriarchy or something. And now I have an HBO Max special. Yeah. But when I think about the things that are like the most influential, it's right. not the most profitable, biggest hit of the year. When I think of the biggest hit of the year, it's like Survivor the year it came out. When I think right. of the thing that I go back to repeatedly over and over again, it is like the Mr. Shows and the Minutemen, you know, like the right. Minutemen, the, the band. If, yeah, I, I knew what angry. you meant, but I think that's a fair thing to clear up. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're like, Mike Watts still drives a van, you know? I love the idea that you're on here. You're just like, I just love early 90s alt comedy and taking America back for the white man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And defending the border by going down there myself and yelling. Yeah. I love Bob Odenkirk <laughs> and storming the Capitol. It's, it's actually fun. I just realized it's not that crazy to compare Mr. Show and storming the Capitol because that guy from the show got arrested. I was going to say, yeah, Jake, what's his face? Uh, got arrested at the Capitol. Yeah, which that's got to be like the, the ultimate achievement in being a character actor who's always that guy who was in that thing. Yeah, like, exactly. That's the most memorable that thing you could have been in. Was <laughs> I think that thing is not, we went from Mr. Show to the Capitol storming. You're like, hey, you're the guy from the thing. Like January 6th. Yes, I know. That was yeah. me. <laughs> no, you were in that Snickers commercial. Oh, that was also me. Like, yeah, correct. <laughs> Although when he stormed the Capitol, it's got to be the one day he was never recognized. Oh, yeah. Nobody there was like, is that Jimmy Pesto from Bob's Burgers? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like the only celebrity anybody there knows is Gravedigger the monster truck. Like, that's the only famous person they respect. <laughs> oh, dude, if that monster truck drove past... Yeah, they would have gone. Not nuts. even the driver of it, just the truck itself is like, I'm racist. <laughs> that would have been so like great. A shitty transformer. Everyone's like climbing the walls, and there's just a monster truck next to him. It's just gracefully taking it. Like, I'm built for this. <laughs> just running over cops. Yeah, when I when I saw the Biden's first address as the president, I was like, oh, oh. shit, it's that room from January 6th. <laughs> like it's officially become that to me now right oh, he's standing where q shaman stood look good for yeah. him i he wonder if he it. got to meet the buffalo guy <laughs> i'm pretty sure he hasn't but that would be great if he called on them to be like hey i need you to stand next to me for a thing yeah so fifty thousand dollars <laughs> if you touch me we will murder you do you ever wonder what it would be like like the day after you get elected president what happens next well, I imagine that whole first day is just them telling you all the secret shit. You know what I mean? But that's what I'm talking about. Like, I right. thought about that. You're like, there's got to be a point. Because, like, remember Trump was like, I'm going to expose them for everything. And this isn't going to be a pro or con Trump thing. So everyone can chill out. But right. Trump said he was going to expose everything and then eventually didn't. And I wonder if there's like a thing where they sit you down and they're like, OK, so here's everything. And if you expose any of it, uh, you're dead. And then, by the oh, way. Yeah. You can talk around it. We have to tell you all the things you can't say. So that way you don't say that. But you can go ahead and talk the rest of your madness. 
Right. I mean, that, that, there has to be like an understood threat of death about that shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the only reason he wouldn't have just been like, fucking aliens are real. Uh, we killed Kennedy. Uh, yeah, exactly. 9-11 outside job. Y'all were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. It just goes through like the whole thing. But for sure, like I, I think about that. We're just like, there's got to be a moment where they just the Secret Service sits you down in the room and they go, OK, Mr. President, right. if that is your new name. Here's the deal. Like, they yeah, here, here, here's the Nazi brain in a jar who's actually in charge. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll be taking orders from hair, gray matter, uh, and just fucking uh, hang tight, bud. <laughs> exactly. And it's just a, bub- a brain that bubbles English words. And you're <laughs> like, this is crazy. from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Good <laughs> <laughs> to meet you. I voted We're for putting you brain control chips in the water. Meh. <laughs> Like I like this guy's ideas. He's pretty cool, right? <laughs> no, they probably brought Biden in, and they were just like, "All right, yeah, here's a here's all the shit that that guy was right about. Here's what he was wrong about. Here's the real vaccine. Don't take the one we're giving them, and then uh, you're good to go." For sure. Oh, dude, absolutely. Like that's. I wish I could have known more about that stuff. Closed doors, you know, like right. Like when Trump came back, like the day after getting hospitalized for COVID, I'm like, he got some medicine we don't have access to. I need oh, that medicine. Sure. Yeah. And then he was like, everyone gets it. And they're like, no. <laughs> no, 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 nobody's getting it. Are you kidding? World leaders are getting it. And we're not even happy that it's you right now that's getting right. it. But we have to. <laughs> like, we made an agreement with the world. Yeah, exactly. Because part of me was mad that nobody, like, super duper important like that died of COVID. Yeah, it, it did seem like somebody was gonna. Like, it. There was no way it was ever going to be him because that would have been too satisfying. And uh, yeah, for sure, th- that was never. But it did seem like someone would go down. Like uh, that's why he wasn't afraid of it. Like he walked around like he knew that there was a secret cure that he had access to. Right. And then it would just be like, yeah, yeah. But if you get it, you're fine. He goes, then why would I even wear a mask? And they're yeah, like, no, play it as you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was uh, it was weird that nobody like in a super high position of power died of it because that would have maybe been the last thing we were like ah fuck maybe it's real like the crazy people who don't believe in it exactly that's why we were so interested when tom hanks got it because we're just like well this is will money get you through this you know like (laughs) it it felt like he got it so early it was like the government asked him to get it to get people to take it seriously dude that's 100 felt like that Yeah, he's like, you're the only guy everyone seems to kind of trust. Can you just lick this bus stop? Like, and it, exactly. And he was like, all right. And then they're selling mass at bubblegum shrimp first. And you're like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> he has the copyright on every mask. Like, that was the deal. Oh, dude. Yeah, that would be great. He's, now he's just sitting back buying the most expensive typewriters in the world. <laughs> I don't know if you know, that's his thing. That Tom Hanks collects typewriters? Yeah. Why? I, what a boring thing to like. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And then on the other side, you're like, what's the most expensive typewriter got to be worth? $5,000? Oh, I bet there's like some $5 million one with like chunks of like Ernest Hemingway's brain matter still in the keys or something. Oh, dude, it, it better like have like something that a president was mid writing still in it. Oh, yeah. Something like fucking like Lee Harvey Oswald wrote his like uh, his fucking manifesto on or some shit. <laughs> and then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Never mind. I'm going to go leave the house and just take care of business. And you're like, wait, right. what? What, what yeah. do you mean take care of business? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> leave the paper in there. Sell it to Tom Hanks one day. Who's Tom Hanks? You'll know. <laughs> also, I'm a time traveler. I got a lot going on. 
Man, Leo Harvey Oswald was cool. Oh, dude, Leo Harvey Oswald as a time traveling action show, I would watch that. <laughs> he just to go back in time and assassinate different. <laughs> it's just him on top of a pyramid killing like the pharaoh to free the Jews. Like he's just exactly. He's like handing over like the blueprints of how to make more of them, and he accidentally shoots right. that too. And they're like, "Oh, this is shit now." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Lee Harvey Justice Assassin. So we've pitched three of the dumbest, best ideas I've ever heard in the show. I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, we, we're killing it. <laughs> um, wait, can you tell me how you got connected to Spade? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I fucking uh, really, it just kind of came about via sort of roast battle shit. So I, uh, I worked on the historical roast on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and the head writer on that was a dude named uh, Frank Sebastiano, who's like a old SNL guy. He worked with Norm Macdonald a lot. He's, he's worked on like a million fucking things. He's been around forever. Sure. Uh, and, and, and he was really fun to work with. And then uh, he became the head writer on Spade show when he went over to Comedy Central and he, uh, he brought, he brought me and Connor with him basically. Yeah, from, for sure. Uh, historical Rose crew. Which is awesome. Um, for some weird reason, being an Arizona boy, uh-huh. Spade all of a sudden means a little bit more. Cause we've had like two big name comedians. We've had three. I'm sorry, Pablo. So, like, to me, like, yeah, Gary Shandling. <laughs> exactly. Because so, we have Gary Shandling, and then we have David Spade, and then right. we have Pablo Francisco. So, like, that's what Arizona offered the comedy world. Right. So, I've never met Spade, but for some reason in my mind, because he's from Arizona, it's like, oh, Spade, like, he's from here. You know, like, he's from my shit. No, I, I, I feel that same way anytime I find out a famous person is from Orange County. So, I totally get that. Yeah. Like when I found out Scott Ackerman was from OC, I got weirdly proud. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, who the fuck cares? But <laughs> exactly. I'm sure all the things that he did and grew up around aren't anything that I cared grew up around. No, I know. I'm sure he lived a whole different life than you. Yeah, completely. We didn't go to the same school or nothing. But at the right. same time, Arizona, you know, like. No, I get that. Yeah, not, not a ton of funny. cool shit came out. Oh, he's super funny. He's super nice, dude. Like, uh, it, it, it was kind of funny because I was really intimidated because I like I was a big Spade fan growing up, uh, and it's funny because I uh, like I, look I watched like you know Tommy Boy and like all the Spade Farley stuff. Yeah, and it was it, growing up as a fat dude who was like a funny kid or whatever. It was everybody was always like, "Oh, you're you're like Chris Farley," because that was like the fat funny guy they knew. Of course, but I always. It wasn't so much that I thought Spade was the funnier one, but that was always the way I wanted to be funny was to be like the mean quick guy rather than the fucking like the big fat loud guy like that just seemed more uh, fun to me i mean you did it yeah i mean it worked out it, it was very funny though like sitting in a room with him for the first time and kind of realizing like the amount of times as a child that i was bullied by people doing fat guy in a little coat and now i work for oh, the man funny. responsible for so much childhood <laughs> abuse my mom used to do that bit at me as a child <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, that's also very mean of your mom. You know, shame on her. Oh, oh dude, my mom, my mom was a fucking mean ass lady, but she's very funny. <laughs> dude, that's how that works. Wait, so did David Spade ever do that to you? He ever fat guy in a little coat? He never fat guy in a little coat in me. No, but uh, it, oh, it was just funny. Shame. <laughs> no, but it, it was always just funny. I'm just like, all I know of you is that I watched you be mean to a fat guy for most of my childhood. <laughs> exactly, and now I'm walking in the room. Just yeah, and he and he's super fucking nice, but I don't know why in my head I thought I was just gonna get the business for a year. <laughs> yeah, still, I mean, when that show got canceled, I was actually really sad because I was like, 
because for some weird reason at that moment when you guys got hired on i was like keith and connor made it like this is it they did it. right <laughs> and then it was, yeah, it was, it was a show. bummer man it was a fun what's that sorry what were you saying oh and then like it was the mix of covid and comedy central dying killed the show it wasn't even the show no the show like i thought that show was really fun it was uh it was the kind of thing that is so rare in comedy right now which is it was just 30 minutes of people just trying to be funny without like making some big grand point about society or anything like yeah, that's I, why I, love the- I have no problem with political comedy or like sort of like uh important capital i important comedy or anything but like sometimes it's fun to just fuck around for 20 minutes you know what i mean yeah i mean i know we talked about some paul like or like politics were in the show right it's not because i love politics it's because i thought of an angle to make a joke at about politics yeah no i just love jokes when everything got so fucking like crazy over the trump kind of era that it became like every piece of comedy was sort of judged as like a political statement or some sort of stance Mm -hmm. on your feeling on every issue and there was no feeling of that at, at spade at all it was really just kind of uh very loose, just kind of a fucking fun hangout show. It was, the, it was kind of like the stuff you, I loved about like late night shows when I was a kid where I was like, oh, this is just the, there's nothing beyond just this being kind of fun, you know, and, yeah. I, and well, I like it kind that. of had that energy that like the Dennis Miller show had when he was still liberal, you know, like right. and it was just <laughs> back when we were, we're allowed sit to down like- with. <laughs> exactly when it was just funny people like when it was literally spade and Norm McDonald coming on the show and just kicking around with them and busting right. balls. Yeah, and we had, you know, we had so many fucking fun people come do the show and it was just uh it, it really sucks that it doesn't uh it doesn't exist anymore. But what are you going to do? I get that it sucks it doesn't exist, but I feel like that the world's just kind of opening up the door for the next Keith Carey move. Right. Cuz everything you do keeps being more successful than the last thing. Right. And everything you do, like, it's like you took all these pieces that you're learning to just become like this, like, ultimate thing. I feel like there's an ultimate thing you're heading towards. I don't know what it is yet, you know. I don't don't either, but I I like, I love your optimism. I would like you to be my dad, like, because this is the most support I've ever received from somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you from when I, the first time I walked in and saw you doing the thing, I was like, I don't know what this kid's doing, but it's funny. He's a funny kid. Like this is gonna work out for him. Thanks, man. I really, uh, I really appreciate that. I always thought you were gonna succeed before diabetes succeeded inside of you. You know, like a mess. <laughs> well, the the clock's fucking ticking now, man. Do you have diabetes? No, but I, oh. I, I'm sure. I, I think COVID gave it a leg up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Did you get COVID? Oh, I got COVID twice. Twice? I got it twice, dude. I fucking like the week before everything went cuckoo bananas lockdown uh-huh. uh i went to new york like on like just like a vacation or whatever uh and i came back straight up had covid like but yeah. we didn't really but we didn't really know like all the, like all the clear signs and like shit you're supposed to do yeah like we, we didn't know at that point so i took two days off of work went back with no sense of smell or taste still pretty sick uh, next day, another writer gets it. Like, it was clearly like, okay, I have become patient zero for the writer's room. Uh, and then the fucking, uh, the next week, everything closed down. Uh, and then I got it again uh, the day after my birthday in November. Uh, which Jesus. Is yeah. Yeah, did you get it? No. No, I Fuck. didn't. <laughs> I, uh, I was working in that production house and uh. all these European crews started coming because like europe started closing down italy closed 
And so oh. the uh, Italian productions came out here and started renting spaces and gear. Right. And one of those Italian crews came back sick and returned a bunch of the gear. Oh, and they said, wow. hey, you should put that truck aside for two weeks before you unload it. And I was like, I'm going home until otherwise noted. And like, I went home and two days later, everything shut down. I just called sick the next two days to avoid hey, good it. Call. I was like, it's on that truck. I'm out of here. Well, dude, it was so fucking crazy. The ramp of like how quickly it went from like, is this a real problem to the world ending? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, like, dude, I remember Disneyland closed. I was like, oh, this is bigger than money. Dude, I was going to say the, the the last day of fucking uh, Spade. It felt like being in the CNN newsroom on 9-11, but it was uh, fucking having to write a show about where we talk about how Kim Kardashian is a, a dipshit or whatever. <laughs> so I had to keep r- running into like the producer's office and be like, Disneyland's closed. Tom Hanks has it. Something about a pangolin. Like it was fucking exactly. like everything happening all at once. And we're literally doing the show. I was like prepping a comic to go do panel. And while I'm going over jokes with her, I'm watching her just get all of her dates canceled in front of her in real time. Uh, like it was, but and just her just trying to be cool, but just like, Oh no, I'm in a lot of trouble. Like it was fucking wild. Yeah, exactly. And the Lakers are like, now the NBA is closed. It was just one thing after the next. Right. I bet I could guess that comic. Okay. Nikki Glazer. It wasn't, it was uh, it was fortune Feimster. Oh, I love Fortune Feimster. She's no, so Fortune's funny. the best. Fortune's the fucking best. She'll uh, she obviously she's fine, but it was just uh, I felt bad because I was like I don't feel like like I've worked with her a couple times, but I'm like I don't know you well enough to for me to be the person who's here while you're dealing with this. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, and don't forget to say that Kim Kardashian's got a fat ass. Yeah. All like, right. <laughs> say say that like you love ice cream, yum yum, or whatever, whatever dumb bullshit <laughs> I had written. It's such a moment of 30 rock. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it was a fucking trip, man. And it was, uh, it was very weirdly. I remember like, as we were leaving that day, like all the like PAs and like their writer's assistant were just stealing all the food from crafty. Cause they were like, I don't know what's about to happen, <laughs> but it's going to suck. And they were right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was like, so gung ho on not touching anything that first two weeks when all the grocery stores are out. I literally just bought a bunch of oranges and apples and I was like peeling them and shit. I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. So there's no surface area. Right. Like I took it so seriously. And like, dude, I'm still shaving my head from it. I'm like, cause I was also like, I'm not going to go through a pandemic and not look a little mad maxi. Right. Oh, I've totally, waited my dude. whole life for this. Oh, dude, there was a, there was a point where I started really going crazy. Like right in the middle of like last summer where I decided I, w- I was going to just start dressing like a fucking war boy. Like I was just going to like, cut the sleeves off a leather jacket and just start like doing like black face paint and shit. Yeah. Nothing matters anymore. It was great. Right. It was a, the perfect time for somebody who grew up with all the punk rock aesthetics around me. Oh, a hundred percent. I was like, this is what years of meth house training has trained me for. You know what I mean? <laughs> One of the funniest dudes I've ever met. I know I say that about a lot of people, but I really just try to invite the funniest, coolest people I know. And Keith Carey is definitely one of those people. Keith Carey, uh, you know him from the Mean Boys podcast. And he has another show right now with Tom Goss, which if you know Mean Boys, you know Tom Goss. 
and uh, that show's called This Is Not A Show Pod, and it's also hilarious, and you know him from the Roast Battles. He was on the Comedy Central Roast Battle, I think three times, um, trying to remember all the battles that he went through. Once completely stark-ass naked, which I didn't even talk to him about. So that's on me, but I hope you guys really enjoyed Keith. At the end, he did mention uh, what it was, you know, a little meth house training, because he grew up in a very poor situation where his mom uh, raised him in a meth house. I don't have to explain too much more of that, I think. I, that's for listening to his podcast to hear more about that. I Should I have gone into that? I probably should have gotten into that. Oh, maybe he'll do it again and we'll go into that. <laughs> we talked a little bit about what adult Keith goes through, not necessarily what child Keith goes through. Uh, by the way, guys, next week I have another Keith. So I screwed that up. I had two Keiths in a row. Is that allowed? In a lineup, I would separate the Keiths. But I have Keith Graber coming on next week. Uh, you may know him from Liar Comedy, L-I-A-R. Um, oh, by the way, I should also plug Keith Carey's podcast, or I'm um, sorry, his Instagram. Keith Tells Jokes, that's his Twitter, that's his Instagram. Very funny joke writer. I wish I want him writing jokes professionally for people that we know. Check out his Twitter. Check out these great jokes that we're talking about. We talk about his jokes. We don't actually say any of his jokes. So go check that out. I also suggest watching Keith Carey versus Pat Barker. Greatest roast battle of all time. Now, Keith Graber. You know him from Liar Comedy. I got to know him during the pandemic. He's a friend that I talk to like once a week now. And I've never met him in person. So why not do a podcast, right? Um, I will give the disclaimer. and I'm sorry. I... Messed up, and I forgot my microphone for this one, so I'm talking straight into my phone, and it sounds like I'm talking straight into my phone. So if you're like, oh, cool, did Aaron record this over a walkie-talkie? Pretty much. Keith Graber was talking straight into his phone, too, but sounds great. His audio's perfect, which is great, because I let him talk a lot, and it worked out really well. And we talk about his chef life, his comedy life, starting comedy late in life. Uh, I mean, late in life for comedy, not for actual life. So, uh, you have that to look forward to next week. I, as always, Aaron Michael Marsh. Aaron M. Marsh. That's what I do. Um, Yeah, I can't believe how many weeks in a row I've been doing this. People are starting to congratulate me for keeping up with this. And I'm like, yeah, I started this to have this, to keep up with this. This wasn't a thing to pass my time during the pandemic. I started a couple weeks before the pandemic. If anything, the pandemic was like, woof, I can actually have more time on my hands. And when I get back to work... What I look forward to at the end of my day is doing this podcast. So, of course, I'm keeping up with this. We're also getting close to 100 episodes. I think I'm going to stop before 100. 100 was the goal. And now that I'm at 100, I'm like, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the next goal is. Keep doing it. I'm enjoying it. We're seeing what it's becoming. I love it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. And thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world or never belong I've got to be me